everyone, and welcome to episode 358 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? It's not a million degrees anymore. It so. is not a million degrees anymore. Um, in fact, I've been joking with my wife the past few days. I've been walking the dogs at night, but it has a very, like, fall autumnal feeling in the Indeed. evenings. And um, I think that was in my mind as I picked books. So I have a, I have a few, like, horror sure. starting to, like, creep in now. Because in my mind, so we're talking August books today. We are. And in my mind, and I'm aware this is dumb because fall does not start until really in like, even like late October anymore here. Um, like in my mind, August is the start of school. Start of school, it's like fall. No, so I'm with you. Starting this month is when I usually read horror books. So, yeah. Um, I'm good. And we're both like in town, it feels like, for... Indeed. I think an extended period of time. Are you going somewhere? Nothing that will really affect this. This work? Okay. <laughs> For work, we're both in town. Actually, like, it looked like the first time in like weeks, I have five full days where I'm in the office. Like, not a work from home to need to take care of something, not traveling. I was like, almost didn't know what to do with myself. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do August books. I'll get to that in a second. Um, if you guys didn't see on social media... We were profiled by Authority Magazine about how to make a binge-worthy podcast, um, which I think applies for us because if you look at so. if you look at like our show stats, people listen to all of our old episodes like month after month. So mm-hmm. I think we're binge-worthy, bingeable. Um, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to read words by Jill and I about our podcast that you're already listening to. So. You, may, you you guys may not be the target audience about our podcast <laughs> since you're already listening to our true, podcast. True, true. But hey, self-promotion. Um, yeah. Okay, so you want to tell people where they can find us and then in case they happen to be new, what we're, how everything works for today's episode? Sure. So you can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. All of our social links are there. We are on Instagram and Twitter, at ProBookNerds. Um, you can access our Viber community from there and chat with all of the fun people. Um... And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. So that's all the contact stuff. This is our August books episode. So for those who are new, um, every month we put together, each put together a list of books that we are looking forward to reading in the upcoming month. We don't discuss our lists in advance. So it's always a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be any crossover this time around. I've tried to be very... I think we've gotten pretty good at this point of, like, there are a few books where I was like, oh, well, Jill's going to mention those, so I think we'll be in the clear. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the reason we do this, in case you happen to be new, listening for the first time from the article or anything like that, uh, lots of podcasts do book reviews. Not very many of them do book previews, so that's what we like to do once a month. And then um, we'll put all of the books we talk about in the show notes and then also at professionalbooknews.com if you click the about button we have our monthly list there as well so um, we don't always get to every book that we both have on our list but we'll always put it in those collections for you to access there so you don't have to furiously write everything down Um, how many do you have? I think I have 10 or 11 hey me too Uh, you want to start? sure so I'm going to start with uh, The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. Oh, that was man. so obvious. Yeah, this, was so, this was so obviously a Joe book. I love Ruth Ware, and I got an advanced copy of this a couple months back. It is so good. It is um, basically a more contemporary retelling of The Turn of the Screw um, in a smart house. And uh, you will fear technology after this. My favorite part of the book, though, <laughs> no. So um, the book, it takes place in this, like, 
old English home manor that's been outfitted with all sorts of technology thing. And um, on the property of the home is a poison garden, which is exactly what it sounds like. This is actually, like, there's, like, legitimately an actual poison garden in England. I remember looking it up after reading the book. And it is a, it's a Walden garden. Um, in the book, it's a Walden garden with poison plants. And... <laughs> Obviously, this this plays a role in the plot, but there is an actual poison garden in England where people can like go and visit this poison garden, and there's a lot of obviously rules and restrictions regarding not getting too <laughs> close to some so. of the plants. But I'm just like fascinated by this idea of a poison garden. I just like got done with this book, and I was like, well, I clearly need to go yeah. plan a trip to go visit this poison garden. That is super cool. Yeah, so that's The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. I feel like there's a lot of um, retellings and reimaginings this month because I have several of them. I have at least one other one. Yeah, which makes it very easy to talk about the books, which is nice. Uh, my first one is Here There Are Monsters by Amalinda Bayrub. Uh, this is from our friends at Sourcebooks, and they sent... <laughs> Sourcebooks has this thing where, like, once every few months, they'll send us a box of books, which is wonderful, and it's always fun to do. But they, I think we've talked about this in the past, their books that they put in, in these boxes come out like months later, and it's by design, it's so people will talk about their books for to create buzz. Uh, Here There Are Monsters came into one of the boxes in like February, and it is the most uh, October, like spooky type of a book. So it's just been sitting at my desk staring at me because I wanted to wait to read it until this time of year. Uh, it has this woman on the cover with like a skeleton mask on it that and the skeleton is like that of a um like a longhorn um like a steer i think those are technically bulls or cows i'm not sure yeah um but it's very very creepy and it's the the blair witch project meets imaginary girls in this story of sisterhood turned toxic imaginary monsters brought to life and secrets that won't stay buried uh basically these two sisters move across the country uh sky and deirdre and in their isolated new neighborhood, Sky manages to fit in, but Deirdre withdraws from everyone, becoming fixated on the swampy woods behind their house and building monstrous sculptures out of sticks and bones. Then she disappears, and when something awful comes scratching at Sky's window in the middle of the night, claiming Sky is the only one who can save Deirdre, Sky knows she will stop at nothing to bring her sister home. So, very spooky. Let's hear there are monsters. My next one is The Right Swipe by Alicia Ray. So this is um, a contemporary romance, and it is about a woman named Rhiannon who um, does a lot of online dating. And she's also an app creator of a dating app, um, and she has a lot of rules about, like, who she'll swipe on and go out with. And um, she had previously gone out with this guy named Samson, who was a former pro football player, Player. They seem to have a great time. Then he ghosted her because men are idiots terrible. sometimes. They're terrible. <laughs> so she thought she she was like all over him. And then months later, he comes back. Um, and, you know, contemporary romance novels. You can kind of mm. figure that one goes. But I've seen a lot of people talk about how this is like a really cute one. Um, and I believe that both of the characters are uh, black. So it's like, you know, multicultural um, romance novel. And, yeah, so it sounds really good. Nice. Uh, my next one is Inland by Taya O'Brett. Uh, I'm just going to read the description because I wasn't familiar with this one until this morning when I discovered it. In the lawless, drought-ridden lands of the Arizona Territory in 1893, two extraordinary lives unfold. Nara, Nara? Nope. Nora is an unflinching frontierswoman awaiting the return of, her, of the men in her life, her husband who has gone in search for water, and her elder sons who have vanished after an explosive argument. 
Uh, she's biding her time with her youngest son, who is convinced that a mysterious beast is stalking the land around their home. Meanwhile, Lurie is a former outlaw and man hunted, haunted by ghosts. He sees lost souls uh, who want something from him, and he finds reprieve from uh, belonging in an unexpected relationship that inspires a momentous expedition across the West. The way in which Lurie's death-defying trek at last intersects with Nora's play is a surprise and suspense that drives this novel. So, um, I don't read a ton of westerns, but this one seemed pretty interesting. So that's Inland by Taya O'Brett. So my next one is Is There Still Sex in the City by Candace Bushnell. <laughs> I saw this. So uh, 20 years after um, Candace introduced Carrie Bradshaw to the world, um, she is back um, with a new book sort of looking at um, the highs and lows of sex and dating after 50. So set between the Upper East Side of Manhattan and a, a country enclave known as The Village um, is Is There Still Sex and City Gathers Bushnell's signature short, sharp, satirical commentaries on love and dating habits of middle-aged women and men as they continue to navigate the ever-modernizing world of relationships. I love sex in the city both the book and the tv show um so i'm i'm super pumped about this one just to sort of see um she has apparently updated one of the most celebrated stories from sex in the city which is the bicycle boys a breed of new york men a breed of a new york man who was always trying to bring his bike up to the woman's apartments once an anomaly bushnell charts their new uh, ubiquitous yeah <laughs> they're like everywhere right boys on bikes now so um yeah, I'm 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 excited. So there you go. Kansas Bushnell, Sex in the City. Listen, boys on bikes is a real thing where you and I both live. It's like it is a thing. I'm actually about to be purchasing a bike. It's a running joke when I moved into our neighborhood. I was like, I just assumed they just gave me a bike and like a flannel shirt because those are those are very specific to the person who lives uh, in the city that Jill and I both live in. It, yeah, I saw. Oh God, I'm gonna have to find it. I think it was like a meme, a Britney Spears. I think it was the Britney Spears. There's also the a Leslie. No, there's also a Leslie Nope one. It was the Britney Spears one. Where I was just like, there was one for both the city we live in and the city we work in. I was like, yeah, there, there's these memes going around, both of Leslie Nope and Britney Spears, where they take a bunch of different pictures of them and they like put what specific location of Northeast Ohio, of like the Cleveland surrounding territories, like what a person looks like from pictures of Britney Spears and Leslie Nope and. This is a small percentage of our listeners who will know what we're talking about, but if you've seen it, it's so funny. It is very accurate. Uh, My next one is Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead by Olga Tukertuk. No, Tukertuk. Yes, that's the right one. I even wrote down how to say it. Um, This is a Polish book that was translated, which is why I struggled with Olga's name, which I even wrote down how to say, and I'm shamefaced. In a remote Polish village, Janina devotes the dark winter days to studying astrology, translating the poetry of William Blake, and taking care of the summer homes of wealthy Warsaw residents. Her reputation as a crank and a recluse is amplified by her not-so-secret preference for the company of animals over humans. Then a neighbor, Bigfoot, turns up dead. Soon other bodies are discovered in increasingly strange circumstances. As suspicions mount, Janina inserts herself into investigations certain that she knows who done it. If only anyone would pay her mind. Uh, so this is kind of a mixture of, uh, they said it's kind of like a deeply satisfying thriller slash fairy tale. And fairy tale is one of those things we talk about um, uh, wheelhouses. Like if you mm. just say, hey, it's kind of like a fairy tale. I'm like, all right, that's all I needed to hear. So that's Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. My next one is Trick Mirror by Gia uh, Tolentino. 
So this is an enlightening, unforgettable trip through the river of self-delusion that surges just beneath the surface of our lives. This is a book about the incentives that shape us and about how hard it is to see ourselves clearly through a culture that resolves around the self. In each essay, Tolentino writes about a cultural prism, the rise of the nightmare social internet, the advent of scamming as a definitive millennial ethos, the literary heroine's journey from brave to blank to bitter, the punitive dream of optimization, which insists that everything, including our bodies, should become more efficient and beautiful until we die. Gleaming with t- uh, Tolentino's sense of humor and capacity to elucidate the impossibly complex in an instant and marked by her desire to treat the reader with profound honesty, Trick Mirror is an instant classic of the worst decade yet. So, I'm in. Yeah, that sounds really good. It's getting a lot of buzz, too, and the cover's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I have one that... I. I think you might have it, but it was pretty far down uh, the place where we look for our books, so I wasn't sure, so I wouldn't have mentioned it. It's called Hello Girls. Mm-mm. Okay, so it's by Brittany Caballero and Emily Henry. Brittany Caballero I'm familiar with because she does all of the uh, Charlotte Holmes books, which are really wonderful. Uh, this is a Thelma and Louise remake <laughs> into a darkly funny teen novel. Uh, I stopped reading the description after that. I don't think I need to keep going. Um... Two teenage girls who've had enough of the controlling men in their lives take their rage on the road to make a new life for themselves. <laughs> that sounds... That works for me. So I, like, I giggled so hard when I saw the cover. I'm very excited about that. So that's Hello, Girls. And that'll be very good. My next one is Pumpkinheads by Rainbow Rowell and Faith Aaron Hicks. I've never been more sure than this month of which books you were going to put on your list. Um, so Rainbow Rowell, love her. Uh, best-line author. And then... Um, Faith Aaron Hicks is an Eisner Award-winning artist, and they've um, teamed up to create this fabulous graphic novel. Um, so Deja and Josiah are seasonal best friends. Every autumn, all through high school, they worked together at the best pumpkin patch in the whole world. Not many people know that the best pumpkin patch in the whole world is in Omaha, Nebraska, but it definitely is. They say goodbye every Halloween, and they're reunited every September 1st. But this Halloween is different. Um, They are finally seniors, and this is their last season at the Pumpkin Patch. Their last shift together, their last goodbye. Josiah's ready to spend the whole night feeling melancholy about it. Deja isn't ready to let him. She's got a plan. What if, instead of moping and the usual slinging lima beans down at the... It's like a touch hut. (laughs) (laughs) They went out with a bang. They (laughs) could see all the sights, taste all the snacks, and Josiah could finally talk to that cute girl he's been mooning over for three years. What if their last shift was an adventure? I love Rainbow. Good old Rainbow. Uh, they'll be in Cleveland. We have nothing to do with the event, but they'll be here talking about that book. The event's probably already sold out, but if you're in Northeast Ohio, and um, go to, was it Beyond the Book Jacket? I think is I believe the that is correct. The website, beyondthebookjacket.com. You can see if there's any tickets left. Uh, my next one is Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton. One pet crow fights to save humanity from uh, from an apocalypse in this uniquely hilarious debut from a genre-bending literary author. St. A domesticated crow is a bird of simple pleasures, hanging out with his owner, Big Jim, trading insults with Seattle's wild crows, those idiots, and enjoying the finest food humankind has to offer: Cheetos. Sure. Then Big Jim's eyeball falls out of his head, and St. starts to feel like something isn't quite right. His most tried and true remedies. From from beak-delivered beer to the slobbering affection of Big Jim's loyal but dim-witted dog, Dennis. 
fail to cure Big Jim's debilitating uh, malady. ST is left with no choice but to abandon his old life and venture out into the wild and frightening new world with his trusty steed Dennis, where he discovers that the neighbors are devouring each other and the local wildlife is abuzz with rumors of dangerous new predators roaming Seattle. I don't know anything about this book other than that description, but I was laughing while reading a description, which is rare. So I'm very excited. That's Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton. So I have The Warehouse by Rob Hart. Uh, <laughs> okay. So Paxton never thought he'd be working for Cloud, the giant tech company that's seen much of the American economy. Hmm, interesting. Much less than he'd be moving <laughs> into one of the company's sprawling live-work facilities. But compared to what's left outside, Cloud's bland chain store life of gleaming in entertainment halls, open-plan offices, and vast warehouses, well, it doesn't seem so bad. It's more than anyone else is offering. Zinnia never thought she'd be infiltrating Cloud. Now she's undercover inside the walls, risking it all to ferret out the company's darkest secrets. And Patton, with his ordinary little hopes and fears, he just might make the perfect pawn if she can bear to sacrifice him. As the truth about Cloud unfolds, Zinnia must gamble everything on a desperate scheme, one that risks both their lives, even as it forces Paxton to question everything about the world he so carefully assembled here. Um, well, clearly this is a commentary. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say... Uh, no, this actually kind of reminds me of The Circle. Um, yeah, I was thinking that, too. Yeah, which I read shortly after I started here and deeply regretted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not like that, I promise. No, but, we're not. <laughs> but I think it, it, but like The Circle, and I'm sure this one, I'm sure there will be stuff in this one, too, that feels familiar just yeah. because it, it plays on sort of tech tropes working in the tech industry. We're but. so much not like the creepy big brotherness in the sense that they recently added a whole bunch of new, uh, a whole bunch of new security cameras around our office, and like went out of their way to email all of us. Was like, listen, it's not to be creepy, and it's just for safety reasons. Because for a long time there was like four of them in the yeah. office. We have a big office. We have a big office. office. Um, that's really funny. <laughs> you have you have several creepy technology books this month. Uh, my next one is I'm Not Dying With You Tonight by Geely Siegel and Kimberly Jones. I'm not going to talk a lot about this because they are coming up in a podcast later in the month, but this is, um, honestly, like, I think this is the most important young adult book to come out since The Hate You Give, and conveniently, they got a blurb from Andrew Thomas, author of The Hate You Give. Uh, basically, there's these two uh, students at a high school, Lena and Campbell, uh, Campbell is white and Lena is African-American and they do not like each other but because of a series of events they get stuck together trying to survive a night where there is a uh, kind of like a race riot that breaks out at a high school football game that they're both at and they just kind of have to survive the night. The way that the book is written is it goes back and forth from chapter to chapter the white uh, young woman speaking and then the black young woman speaking and uh, I just think it'll be a book that like will be talked about in schools and it's it's an incredible book and Geely and Kimberly are incredible people so I'm really excited for you guys to hear the, po- hear the podcast but go get this book it's so good I read it in one sitting and I couldn't put it down so that's I'm not dying with you tonight that also has a really cool cover it uh, does have a really cool cover I almost cover. put it on my list but yeah I figured you what might have mm-hmm. oh man you guys okay this one <laughs> Uh, so we, re- I read a lot of books. I read a lot of uh, <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> no, no, I just mean by that I mean I, I read a very eclectic range of books. Absolutely. And one of my favorite books from it for like since like I was a teenager is Flowers in the Attic. I knew you were gonna put this out there. I was so by sure. Andrews. So 
I have read the entire Dollenganger series. Uh, there are several books. Um, fun fact, fun fact, V.C. Andrews actually died way back in the 80s. Not that fun of a fact. She died. No, no, no. I know what you mean, V.C. Andrews died. V.C. Andrews died back in the 80s, and she has had a ghostwriter ever since then. So V.C. Andrews actually did not write any of the. She wrote the Dollinger series and like one or two others, but everything else that is attributed to her name is um, actually written by uh, a ghostwriter. Anyway, so there is a new. <laughs> There's a new Dollinganger book coming out called Beneath the Attic, and it is um, about, so like the grandmother who locked the kids in the attic, in flowers in the attic, this is about her grandmother, uh, Corinne Dixon, who is swept away by the charms of a rich, sophisticated, and handsome Garland Foxworth. After discovering that she's pregnant, Garland does what appears to be the most honorable thing and marries her in a huge ceremony on the luxurious Foxworth Hall grounds. And both families, they just kind of overlook the whole pregnancy thing. Now the mistress of a labyrinth- labyrinthine, I cannot say that word, estate, Corinne discovers that nothing is what it seems. Garland is not the man once kept, who once captivated her charms. This is the best. And she's increasingly troubled by his infatuation with his memories of his departed mother. <laughs> oh, God, I love flowers in the attic. It's just like... <laughs> I wish I was recording... I wish I was, like, video recording you go through this. This is so funny. I... It's so... Oh, man. Sometimes... Sometimes you just need... You just need some trashy V.C. Andrews. And so I'm, I'm like, I, seriously, I got so excited when I saw that there was a new one coming out because it's been a couple of years. So that's Beneath the Attic by V.C. Andrews. Um, oh, man, that was amazing. Uh, I have a really short description of this next one because he does not need our promotion. Uh, but Neil Gaiman and Colleen Doran are created a graphic novel that is a retelling of Snow White. Uh, a not-so-evil queen is terrified by her monstrous stepdaughter and determined to repel the creature and save her kingdom from a world where happy endings aren't so happy after all. It's called Snow Glass and Apples, and I'm sure it will be on every single list. But um, if we had contracts for this podcast, I would say I'm contractu- contractually obligated to mention any Neil Gaiman book because despite his massive success, I am still a big fanboy. So uh, cover is, of course, whimsical and beautiful. Colleen Doran did all the illustrations, and it looks great. And I will buy it and add it to my Neo Gaiman collection. Sure. So, um, okay, speaking of retellings, I have The Sea Witch Rising by Sarah Henning. So, Hell yeah. So this is a sequel to uh, the Villainess's origin story, Sea Witch. Um, and it is about the as the forces of land and sea clash in an epic battle for freedom, redemption, and true love. I mean, you know, got a little mermaid. Sea Witch there. I I put that on hold as soon as I saw it on the list because I did I was very excited about it. Um, speaking of the sea, House of Sea, or sorry, House of Salt and Sorrows by Aaron A. Craig. In a manner by the sea, twelve sisters are cursed. Anna Lee lives a sheltered life at Highmore Manor by the sea with her sisters, their father, and stepmother. Once they were twelve, but loneliness fills the grand halls now that four of the girls' lives have been cut short. Each death was more tragic than the last. The plague, a plummeting fall, a drowning, a slippery, a slippery plunge. And there are whispers throughout the surrounding villages that the family is cursed by gods. Disturbed by a series of ghostly visitors, uh, sorry, visions, Annalie becomes increasingly suspicious that the deaths were no accident after all. Her sisters have been sneaking out every night to attend glittering balls, Dancing until dawn in silk gowns and shimmering slippers, and Annalie isn't sure whether to try and stop them or to join their forbidden trysts, because who or what are they really dancing with? 
When Annalise's involvement with a mysterious stranger who has secrets of his own intensifies, it's a race to unravel the darkness that has fallen over her family before it claims her next. And the cover is awesome on this one as well. That's House of Salt and Sorrows. My next one is We Are All Good People Here by Susan Rebecca White. Speaking of cool covers, this is sort of like a slight optical illusion where there are two women on the cover, but you have to sort of like like magic eye to see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Eve Whalen is a privileged child of an old money Atlanta family and meets Daniela Gold in the fall of 1962 on their first day at Belmont College. Paired as roommates, the two become fast friends. Daniela, raised in Georgetown by a Jewish father and a Methodist mother, has always felt caught between two worlds. But at Belmont, her bond with Eve allows her to finally experience a sense of belonging. That is, until the girls' expanding awareness of the South's systematic injustice forces them to question everything they thought they knew about their world and the place their places in it. Eve veers towards radicalism, a choice pragmatic Daniela cannot fathom. After a tragedy, Eve returns to Daniela for help in beginning anew, hoping to shed her past. But the past isn't so easily buried, as Daniela and Eve discover when their daughters are uh, endangered by secrets meant to stay hidden. So this sort of this spans 30 years uh, from... The Twilight of Kennedy's Camelot to the beginning of Bill Clinton's presidency, about two flawed but well-meaning women clinging to a lifelong friendship that is tested by the rushing waters of history and their own good intentions. Hmm. Sounds very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one is The World Doesn't Require You by Rian Amakar Scott. Uh, this sounds incredible. It's a series of short stories that Rian has created. Um, and what he did here is he created this fictional county, and boy am I going to just butcher this, but it's Yaknapatawapa. Uh, it has a fictional cross river, and it's in Maryland. Uh, established by leaders of America's only successful slave revolt, the town still evokes the fierce rhythms of its foundings. Among its residents are David Sherman, a struggling musician who just happens to be God's last son, Tyrone, a ruthless PhD candidate whose dissertation about a childhood game ignites mayhem in the neighborhood, uh, once segregated town... Uh, sorry, in the neighboring one segregated town of Port Yuga, and Jim, an all-too-obedient robot who serves his master. So this is a series of short stories that tells uh, the fuller story of Cross River and this county, and basically all uh, it's all has a lot of uh, magical realism in it, apparently, and just this reimagining of the world. It, it, it sounds incredible, and I'm very excited to read it. So it's The World Doesn't Require You. Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, I and the cover is also very, very, uh, very good. So my next one is Consent by Donna Friedis. So Donna Friedis has lived two lives. In one life, she is a well-published author and respected scholar who has traveled around the country speaking about Title IX, consent, religion, and sex on college campuses. In the other, she's a victim, a woman who suffered and still suffers because she was stalked by her graduate professor for more than two years. So this is her book about um, her years being stalked by a professor, and um, she sort of looks at it, um, examines like her th- her experience, and then um, examine the ways in which we stigmatize debate and attempt to con- understand consent today. So very timely book. So that's Consent by Donna Friedis. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one is Bottle Grove by Daniel Handler. Same thing, I'm not going to talk a lot about this too much because Daniel Handler is going to be on the podcast later in the month. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he writes under a pseudonym for children's books, and that pseudonym is Lemony Snicket. 
Um, it's going to be very hard to not talk about a series of unfortunate events with the man who wrote a series of unfortunate events. And remember, Dan- his name is not Lemmy Snicket. I know, exactly. Yeah, his name is Daniel Handler. And I'm going to say it a hundred times when I talk to him. It's going to be one of those where I'm like, Daniel. And then answer, ask yeah. the question. Um, people should know, if you don't, that he also writes adult novels. And in fact, he has won many awards for his adult novels. And Bottle Grove is the story of two marriages, or is it? It begins with a wedding held in a small San Francisco forest of Bottle Grove, bestowed by a wealthy patron for the public good back when people did such things. Here's a cross-section of lives, a stretch of urban green where ritzy guests, lustful teenagers, drunken revelers, and forest creatures all wait for the sun to go down. Uh, The girl in the corner slugging vodka from a cough syrup bottle is Paget. She's keeping something secreted in the woods. The couple at the altar are the Nichols. The bride is emphatic about changing her name as there's plenty to hide from in her old life. Set in San Francisco, as the tech boom is exploding, Bottle Grove is a sexy, spewing, dark comedy about two unions, one forged of love and the other forged of greed. Looming over it all is the income disparity between San Francisco's tech community and everyone else. That's Bottle Grove, and we'll have more about that later this month with Daniel. So I have one left. It is I'm Telling the Truth, But I'm Lying by uh, Bassie Ikpi. So this... uh, is a memoir and in it Bassie explores her life as a Nigerian American immigrant, a black woman, a slam poet, a mother, a daughter, and an artist through the lens of her mel- mental health and diagnosis of bipolar 2 and anxiety. Her remarkable memoir and essays implodes our preconceptions of the mind and normalcy as Bassie bears her own truths and lies for us and ba- bears her own truths and lies for us all to behold and with radical honesty and brutal intimacy. So yeah, I'm I'm in. Absolutely. Um, my last one is called Keeping Lucy by T. Greenwood. This has been all over the place. Um, Pop Sugar, Good Housekeeping, Better House and Homes. Like Everyone's like, this is the best book of the summer for them. Uh, it's based on a heartbreaking but uplifting true story. Uh, and the story that it's a, so it's a historical fiction and the book version, uh, Ginny Richards is a mother and she has her baby girl Lucy taken away from her because she has Down syndrome under the pressure of her husband's powerful family. Um, they sent her to what they believe is a special school for the quote-unquote feeble-minded. Uh, two years later, Ginny's best friend, Marsha, shows her a series of articles all about that particular school and how it's uh, squalid and it's filled with neglected children, and she knows she can't leave her daughter there. So with her six-year-old in tow, uh, they she drives to the school to see Lucy for herself, and what they find there is um, horrifying, and so it starts them on this heart-racing journey all across the state lines to keep her daughter. Um, so again, it's based on incredible true events, but uh, it sounds really good. It sounds very harrowing, um, but it's all over the place, and I'm excited to read it. So it's Keeping Lucy by T. Greenwood. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, those are all of the books that we are excited for. Well, not all the books, but the books we're most excited about for August. Um if any of those sounded good or if you want some more recommendations, just shoot us an email or a tweet or maybe on a, a DM on Instagram. We never check. I never check those. Um, but yeah, uh, shoot us a message. Let us know what you think. Um, anything else going on at the moment you think people should know about? Well, yes. If you are in Cleveland, um, you know that we sometimes do events and one of them is a very big one. It's not till October, but I would probably recommend getting events. <laughs> Tickets now. <laughs> That'd be old Elvis. Yep, Elvis Duran, yeah. Elvis Duran. Uh, it is um, in October. 
Adam, I think, is looking up the date. because. Uh, I- that's October 7th. I'm looking up Thank to see you. if they've done the other thing that we're doing. It is not. It's not on the website yet. It's not yet. on the website yet. Okay. I keep checking for my sister. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but I imagine that's going to be a very big one. Um, so I would I would register. Yeah, so we're doing Elvis Duran in, and you said October 7th. It's a Monday at night. It is a ticketed event, um, but with your ticket, you get a free copy of his memoir. Um like immediately after Elvis announced it on his show and all these other places, which we didn't know about, which was we funny. We did not know. All of a sudden, I was getting messages from people in yep. our social media, or not social media specialist, our PR specialist, Andy, who is the biggest Elvis Duran fan on the planet, um, was like squealing excitedly. But as soon as they did that, uh, like half the tickets were sold out immediately. So don't delay if you are um, in this area. Um, and you're absolutely right. The other one, I want to talk about the other one so bad. I know, but, but it's not, not on yet. there yet. I know. Um, okay, yeah. Please do that uh, and come say hi to us. And we'll be the ones trying not to <laughs> freak out on stage. Indeed. Play That'll be us. super cool. That'll be us. Uh, anything else you think people should know about? I think that's everything. All right, cool. Well, those are our August books. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.